You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. The object of this study is to get you, as I've already mentioned, to lean upon Christ and Christ alone, rather than to focus in on how good we are or are becoming. Listen, none of you have arrived. I haven't arrived. You know, we're better than we once were, yes, before our conversion experience. But man, we got miles to go, folks, right? None of us have arrived yet. In the days of Noah, God looked at the earth and saw that the hearts of all men and women were constantly evil. Today, Pastor Mike reminds us that thousands of years later, our hearts are still wicked. But God, in His rich grace, made a way for us to be redeemed through Jesus Christ. Pastor Mike emphasizes that it's not about how good we are or how far we've come. What matters is that God chose to forgive us despite the wickedness in our hearts. And it's important for us to keep our faith in Him. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 6 as he begins his message, Enough is Enough. Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And so the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now think about this. Is there ever a time when we sin to the full where God steps in and says, enough is enough? You know, we've crossed over that line. I want you to think about that in your own life. Man, we we should stand up and take note of this. You know, is there ever a time where we continue to mess around and sin and, you know, play at being a Christian, and then God steps in and he says, listen, I've given you every opportunity, you know, time and time and time again. You've been doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. I know what's in your heart. I know the things that you're thinking about. And enough is enough. Now, I wouldn't suggest that that's that, you know, where that line may be, that when we step over where God would say and respond, enough is enough. But nevertheless, according to the text of Scripture, guess what? There is a line. 
And so it's something definitely to consider. Now listen, here in this text of scripture, obviously we're dealing with the subject of radical depravity. That is the depravity of mankind. So obviously that's what we're talking about here in this text. But you know what? The subject is found throughout the scriptures, not only here in the book of Genesis, but throughout the Old and New Testament alike, dealing with the subject of the depravity of mankind. But listen, of the many recorded, none are as clear and as comprehensive as the one that is before us. So think about this. The idea then that there is enough good in man that they can turn from sin to Christ, the truth of the matter is that's not a biblical truth. Because according to our text and all of the other texts that addresses this subject, we're told that man, that woman, can do nothing but sin. And that if any do turn to Jesus, it is only because God was working in that person's life beforehand, moving them to do so. Now, it's at this point where you're thinking, you know, what are you preaching here, Mike? You know, what about free will? What about the capacity of choice? And in fact, God has made us free moral agents with that capacity to choose of choice for God. But God's working, right? You know, are we going to be able to take advantage of all the opportunities that have been given to us by God? That's where free will comes in. But it's God who's working. It's God who's working behind the scenes, right? Orchestrating all of the details, pushing all of the buttons, right? You know, bringing you around to that place where you'll make that decision for Christ. Will you take advantage of those opportunities that are presented to you? That's where free will and the capacity to choose comes in. But listen, the truth of the matter is, again, I want you to understand this. Without the Spirit of God working in our lives and the grace of God, men, women can do nothing but sin. And so goes on endlessly from sin to sin to sin. Now, let me also say before I continue on, it's not my intention to beat you up with this message, okay? I want to encourage you. I want to strengthen you. I want to challenge you. I don't want you to drag yourself out of here all bummed out, all right? That certainly is not my intention, you know, as it relates to the things that I'm about to share with you today. Rather, my hope is that it will serve to bring healing into your life and great encouragement. Because if you think about it, the beginnings of salvation begin here. That is to realize that apart from God's Holy Spirit and grace, we can do nothing. In you know, accepting God and becoming the kinds of people that God wants us to become. You know, think about it this way, and I've often illustrated it, in fact, in this way. You need to know that you're drowning before you'll grab the lifesaver, who is Christ, right? You're on a cruise. I usually use this silly illustration and example. But you're on a cruise, right? And you're on the top deck of the ship. And, man, the boat is rocking, right? And you're hanging on to the rails, on the top of the ship, and then you get jolted, and you fall overboard, right? And now, the, you know, the waves, are, and you're caught in the currents of the, of the ocean, and 
you know, how are you going to respond? Are you going to just kind of be floating and doing the back, you know, stroke or whatever and just enjoying yourself there or whatever? Or do you realize that you're drowning, right? And other people are looking over those rails where you've just fallen over and, hey, don't worry, I'm having a good time out here. I'm swimming with the dolphins or whatever, right? But if you're flailing in the waters and you're crying out for help, you realize that you need to be saved. And then the people who are on the hull of the ship, you know, throw you the lifesaver. We need to realize and recognize the fact that we are drowning, that we are drowning in our sins. And therefore, we're going to respond and grab the lifesaver that is the lifesaver that God the Father has provided for us in his son, Jesus Christ. So this is good knowledge to actually realize the depravity of mankind, okay? Now, I'm not suggesting any of you are depraved. Thank God he's gotten a hold of us, and he's changing us from the inside out through the processes of sanctification and regeneration, all of which is the work of God's Holy Spirit within our lives. But we need to come to the place of despairing of self because you're not going to be able to get this job done. The Bible tells us in the book of Philippians, for it is God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, what does that suggest to us? That if he hadn't put that in us, we would never have had a desire to want to do and to will of his good pleasure, you see. It's all with God. You know, it's all about God's work in the life of his people. So we need to come to the place of despairing of self and give to God alone the glory for our righteousness. All of what we become in Christ. So the object of this study is to get you, as I've already mentioned, to lean upon Christ and Christ alone. Rather than to focus in on how good we are or are becoming. Listen, none of you have arrived. I haven't arrived. You know, we're better than we once were, yes, before our conversion experience. But man, we got miles to go, folks, right? None of us have arrived yet. As I always suggest, we might as well have a sign hanging around our necks under construction. And it's true. We're all under construction. Now, before we go on, just to sort of balance this out, so that none of you misunderstand where I'm going with this message. Before we go on into some of the different issues that we're going to be dealing with, let me say that from a human standpoint, there is a notable good in man. In fact, it allows us to regard some people as better than other people. I'm thinking about certain individuals like, for example, who are working to bring about change, who are working towards eliminating suffering. You know, philanthropists, for example, who take of the resources that they have available to them and make them available to other people who don't have those opportunities, who don't have those kinds of advantages, who, you know, who are, are really interested in social causes. I mean, you know, that's, I mean, you can differentiate between certain groups of people and and other groups of people as well. So there is a notable good in man. But don't confuse this goodness or this human standard with God's own standard. Because the best of people, you know, all of the people that I had just referred to, all of the philanthropy and good works, social activists, you know, all of those individuals who would fall into that category, the best of people 
without Christ are still in opposition to God and his holiness. Okay, so let me ask you this question. How bad can it be? Well, go back to our text of scripture. How far had mankind gone? Go back to verse 5 here. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And he says, enough is enough. He was grieved. He had actually repented that he had even created mankind. Now, in contrast, now, and just to amplify how bad it had gotten, in contrast, think about what was recorded for us in chapter 1, when we have the record of God creating the physical universe. So in contrast, earlier in chapter 1, God saw what he had made, and he said, that's good, and that's good, and this is good, and that's good, right? The only exception was that it, it wasn't good that man should be alone. And so he made him a helpmate, that is Eve, for, for Adam. But prior to that, every, you know, everything that he saw, everything that he did, everything that he put his hand to, he said it was good. In verses 4, 10, 12, 18, 21, 25, and 31, in all of those verses, God said it was good after he had created the physical universe. But now think about this. We're only talking about five short chapters later. Five short chapters later. We're in chapter six now, right? God is grieved, and he's determined to wipe out all living creatures from the earth. Okay, so what was it that changed God's outlook? And the only answer to that question is sin. It was sin. And notice, it's not viewed as an imperfection or a mistake or I made a boo-boo, right? None of those things would apply here but rather as something totally hostile to God's purposes and thoroughly infecting. It was like poison in water that the people had drank. Now let's talk about some of the characteristics of sin according to our text. And there are three aspects that I want to draw your attention to, and all three of these will serve as our bullet points, okay? We're already halfway through. I, I set it up but we're already halfway through our message. The first of which is sin is a internal matter. Sin is a internal matter. You see, it's not just a question of outward acts referring to sin. You know, like, for example, stealing, murder, adultery, but rather it's all about the thoughts of the heart. Okay, go back to our text here in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart, you see that? Of his heart was only evil continually. You see, folks, sin, and this is the first aspect of sin. This is what I want you to draw your attention to. Listen, this is what we're addressing. We want to deal with sin in our lives. We want to get rid of it, right? The effect of sin. So it's a good thing to know what sin is, what sin looks like, how it operates in the life of even a believer. And so sin is a internal manner. And only God can know a man's thoughts. Only he has that ability and capacity. You know, when we observe, you know, in contrast, think about us, you know, God looks right through us. 
He knows what's going on in our hearts. He knows the thoughts that we're thinking, right? He knows what we do when other people aren't around. He sees us in the dark places, you know, when the light isn't shining brightly. I mean, we observe outward acts, and then we draw conclusions as it relates to other people, right? You know, only after all of the facts have been presented, like, for example, in a court case, someone is accused of murder, and you, you happen to be uh, one of the trial uh, members of the, the jury. You don't really know whether or not that person has committed the act of killing someone until all of the facts have been presented. And then you, you know, get back with the rest of the jurors and debate it and figure it out and try to come to some kind of a conclusion. But that doesn't even come into play with God because God knows all things. He sees right through us. He knows the intents there in our heart. So only God can know a man's thoughts. Only he possesses that kind of capacity. In 1 Samuel in chapter 16 and verse 7, and this had to do with, remember, God had repented of ever placing Saul over Israel as their first king, and he was going to replace him with David. But at that time, Jesse, who was the father of David, as well as all of the other fellows who came to present themselves before Samuel, the great prophet, and then Samuel was going to anoint one of Jesse's sons as the next king over Israel. You know, as they came in one by one by one, and Samuel the prophet observed each one, and God would like kind of check them on, no, that's not the one. The next one was brought in, no, he's not the one. And until finally, you know, he turns to Jesse, David's father, he says, don't you have any more sons? And he says, yeah, I got this, you know, this young kid and, you know, he's sort of like a philosopher, a poet, uh, a songwriter and spends all of his days on the side of a mountain tending to my flocks and playing the harp and writing songs. And, but I don't think you'd be interested in this guy. He doesn't fit the bill. And then Samuel told him, oh, no, 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 summon for him because God had given me implicit instructions about it's going to be one of your sons, but it's none of these. And so anyway, in response to the conversation that he's having with Jesse, notice he says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature. And, it, you know, isn't this funny? You know, this isn't in my notes, but I think it's worthwhile mentioning. You know, the way we size up people, particularly for those of us who are in ministry. And I found that the most faithful people that serve here at Harvest Christian Fellowship are the most likely candidates for the job. It's true. It really is. You know, we size up people on their appearance, their stature. You know, they look like, you know, muscle men or whatever. And, oh, let's put that guy over the men's ministry. You know, because people will look up to him. Yeah, he played football in college or whatever. You know, guys will look up to him. And it's not necessarily true. It's amazing the way that God chooses people, the way that God sees people. Anyway, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see, and this is really, the, this latter statement is really what I want to focus in on. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So God knows if a man is a murderer, even if he's never committed a murder. Think about that, because he knows what's in his heart, the murderer's intent, 
that's there within that person's heart. You know, in Jesus' day, just to amplify this, the religious leaders thought that a person was contaminated by eating unclean foods. But then Jesus comes along and he teaches that it's not what goes in that contaminates an individual, but rather what proceeds out of an individual's heart. For example, in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 15, in verses 17 through 20, do you not yet understand, and this is Jesus speaking, do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth comes from the heart, and they defile a man. You know, so the heart, if you think about it, is really a window into the soul of a man. You know, you don't need to spend all that much time with an individual to figure out what that individual is really all about. Just listen to the words that he's using, the conversation. Just listen to this conversation. And you'll know what's really going on in his heart, the things that come out of their mouth, right? It's a window into a person's heart and soul. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they are the things which defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies. And then verse 20, these are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man at all. So Jesus sets our thinking straight. So anyway, that's our first point. What is that? Sin is an internal matter. You got that? Sin is an internal matter. Now that brings us to our second point. There are three points. The second characteristic that I want to draw your attention to as it relates to sin. Verse 5, let's go back to Genesis 6. Verse 5 tells us that sin is pervasive. Sin is is pervasive. Think about this. Because it comes out of the heart, that is sin, which controls what we think and do, it necessarily affects every part of our being. So that nothing we think, nothing that we do and plan for or are, you know, who we are, is unaffected. Why? Because it comes out of our heart. It is pervasive. Verse 5 says, Every inclination of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil all of the time. You know, that would be a great definition of depravity. I mean, that's what depravity is. That's what depravity looks like. Not that people never do anything that's good or that they never have intentions of doing good. What I mean is that even their best is always spoiled by their essentially sinful nature. In my father's house There's a place for me In my father's house Where I long to be You've been listening to Pastor Mike Finizio here on In My Father's House. He is working his way through the book of Genesis. If you were blessed by today's message and want to pass along the blessing, you can find a link to give to the ministry on our website, harvestnyc.org. We have so much available to you there, 
including many audio messages and links to streamed messages. We stream every Sunday and Thursday service. Once again, that's harvestnyc.org. Another way to pass along the blessing is to share the messages with someone else. Maybe God put someone on your heart today as you listened. You can send them the links as well. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan, New York City. We're easy to find, with access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. But if you're from another part of the country or world, we'd love to know. Please send us a quick note at harvestnyc at verizon.net. That's harvestnyc at verizon.net. It's a great encouragement to Pastor Mike and the team at In My Father's House to hear where these messages are being listened to. There is nothing more beautiful than the global body of Christ. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our podcast for Daily Doses of the Word. Just go to Spotify and search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. And then just click follow. Well, we have filled our time for today. Come back and see us again, because there's no better place to be than In My Father's House with you.